Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us for another CPR experience. This is Pastor Aaron Carr. Um, CPR stands for Conflict Produces Resolution. This show is brought to you by WNJR um, Internet Radio. And I'm thankful uh, to, to, to be heard <laughs> by you again. I'm thankful just for this time that we share. And um, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, I'm thanking God that you um, took some time to listen and to be encouraged because that's what I'm here to do, to pump life into you, to encourage you, to pump resurrection, to pump victory, and to pump joy. And I'm praying that I do my job. Um, I'm thankful for those who, who this is your first time listening. I'm thankful that you took some time. And for those uh, we welcome you in. And for those who have heard or listened before, welcome back. Uh, as I often say, take your shoes off, relax your feet, get comfortable. And I'm praying that you hear something that's going to encourage you. It's going to push you. That's going to motivate you. That's going to connect you, draw you closer um, to our God into our savior. I am thankful just for this opportunity to come before you, um, to give you a word of encouragement during these times that we are living in. God is good. Um, the struggle is real, but God is still good. And I'm thankful just for this opportunity. I'm not going to, um, be before you long. I want to read a very, um, powerful scripture in the book of revelation. Um, Chapter seven, I'm going to read verses nine to 17. I'm going to read from the English standard version. And the word of God says, after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might. Be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these clothed in white robes and where and from where have they come? I said to him, sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes. And made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore. They are before the throne of God. And serve him day and night. In his temple. And he who sits on the throne. Will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more. Neither thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them. Nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
I would like to speak briefly to you on the subject, a change of perspective, a change of perspective. Father God, give me preaching power now. Minister to the hearts of your people that are struggling right now during these times. But while they're struggling, remind them that they still have a responsibility, power and authority during these times that we are witnessing. And so, God, I'm praying that what you've given me encourages them, fortifies them, draws them closer to you, draws them in you um, during these times. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen. A change of perspective. We can all attest that our daily schedules have been altered drastically with the shutdowns and job closings and um, children's schools being shut down, not even knowing this, if they're going to be open for the next school year. Um, politicians, Republicans and Democrats fighting back and forth, making this issue a a political stunt. The liberty to do our own thing has been drastically altered. Even our thoughts on life for some of us have changed. What's important, what's not important, what's valued versus not valued. This season has definitely changed our priorities a lot. But my prayer is that we understand that this change in some of our lives is necessary. That we just don't look at this season as abrupt and uncomfortable, but something that focuses our attention in a deeper way. The loss of life should make you consider examining yours and bettering yours. The loss of jobs and finances should make you be grateful for what you still have and cause you to pray and hope for another to come. The lack of family time and social life should make you feel closer to what's important. Don't just look at this season as an inconvenience. Look at this season as instruction. Who God called us to be and who God calls us to rely on is uncomfortable because it requires us to act against our nature. You being you is not what God wants from you. I'm, I'm going to say it again. I know uh, this is this is live radio, so I want you to grasp what I'm saying. I don't want to burst anybody's bubble, but you being you is not what God wants from you. He desires greater. Holiness, wholeness. And relationship elements, the very elements that challenges the, fl the flesh. In other words, God wants you to respond to things you don't want to hear. In the book of Psalms, um, Psalms 119, David writes, great peace have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. But this was only birth through the warfare 
and overcoming of himself. The fruits of your labor is exciting, but it's the process of sowing. That's the exhausting part. Because what I'm sowing is something that challenges me. Kids love the excitement of candy and going to the park. It makes them dance and makes them smile, but have a hard time dealing with the process of digesting vegetables and doing schoolwork. And just like in the garden, when the enemy only appealed to their eyes and not their spirits, it made the way we are supposed to love God obsolete. The Bible teaches us that we are supposed to love God with our heart, soul, mind and strength. And sadly, uh, we added our eyes and taste to the package. And now that is our standard of loving God nowadays. And and we expect uh, we and we expect to love him the way we want to love him and not the way he desires. Can you imagine that happening to you? Uh, you you tell someone that you're dating and that that you're not ma a materialistic person and yet they keep buying you material things and once you reject their gifts they get mad at you they can't stand you calling you impossible saying you're impossible to be with saying you're doing too much a lot of people would want what they are giving you uh, then they break they break up with you forget who you are all because they were fulfilling something you never asked them to do. And now you're the bad person. You broke their heart. You scarred them because they did a lot of something you never asked for. And how many of us know that our relationship with God often is rocky because we continue to do things he never said or asked for. And we continue to assume behaviors about God that he never claimed. And it's frustrating and it makes me weary. And it feels like a burden because I thought this was what life with God was. I thought he wanted me to come to church whenever I can. I, I thought he forgave me for my sins when I kept asking for it, but not change. I thought when the praises go up, the blessings come down. This relationship isn't what I expected and intended. So now I'm bitter. Now I'm confused. Now I don't know what to believe because he rejected what I gave him. And now I'm carrying the weight of all the stuff God never asked for. And I want to tell somebody um, that, that, that God is saying, just like you would tell people who force stuff on you uh, th that you never said or wanted. God is saying, why are you mad at me? Th thank you for giving it. But what can I do with something I never asked for? And if you truly want to know what my desire is, I told you when I called you. I, I don't want your stuff. I want your life. Going to church when you get a chance does nothing for me. 
Logging on to a Zoom service whenever it's convenient for you does nothing for me. Asking for forgiveness and not changing does nothing for me. Expecting blessings every time you praise me doesn't show me you love me. It may show you uh, that you uh, like being blessed, but it doesn't show me that you love me. It, it, it might show your desperation, but doesn't show your devotion. God is looking for a relationship that follows what he desires and not what we think he wants. Because everything we think he wants always involves less of me changing. So I try to butter God up with stuff he never asked for. Yep, you're, you're, you're doing good to the homeless and needy, but you're still sinning. Yeah, you're nice to your friends, but you won't forgive who hurt you. Yeah, you can preach and you can minister, but you're still addicted. Yeah, you're smiling, but you're still depressed. That's nice. I see it, but I want your life. You, you think it's a lot because you keep bringing a lot of stuff. But who told you to get all of that? I only asked for one thing. And, and this is the challenge to the believer. What does God want from me? I can tell you what I want from him. But what does God want from me? And here in the text, it shows some elements of what God wants in the text. John is writing this letter while in, on, on, in exile on an island called Patmos. And this book contains a lot of prophecy, a lot of metaphors, a lot of truth, a lot of future events. Writings about the fate of different kinds of churches, the fate and the mark of the beast, the present issues and the future struggles. And here in chapter seven, it talks about the victory of the saints. An angel of the Lord showed John the numbers of the tribes that were written in the book of life. One hundred and forty four thousand. The tribes of Israel, twelve thousand people in each tribe were written in this book. In the book of life. And then an angel showed John another number of people wearing white robes. The Bible says that no man could number from all places, nations and tribes standing before the throne of God and the lamb praising him and thanking him. All over the world, these people were worshiping and John asked the angel. Who are these people clothed in white robes? And the angel said, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. One thing that God requires of us is to understand the true benefit and understanding of a relationship with him. A true relationship with God makes you understand that the test of your relationship with him is not the stuff he blesses you with. It's the revelation of what this relationship is established from. Our relationship, brothers and sisters, is established from endurance. It's not a relationship that gives up. It's a relationship that gets through. The angel showed John the people 
that couldn't be numbered didn't just find their way into paradise, but connected to their transition to paradise was tribulation. They were going through tribulation and they were praising, worshiping and saying amen because tribulation looks different when a relationship is established. Because tribulation with a relationship with God is just a transition and not your destination. With a relationship, tribulation is a tunnel and not a tomb. The scripture didn't say these are they that have come through a great church. These are the people that believed God going through the trenches. These are the people that have overcome great trials and kept the faith. God established an atmosphere for survivors. Woe unto the people who desires just your butt in the pew and not your overcoming. That just wants you to be in the number in their church, but not care about your place in the kingdom or your survival. The angel revealed that the number that John saw did not consist of silent survivors, but they were worshiping and praising God and not for a car, not for money, not for worldly gain. But because God brought them to a place of salvation, I don't know where you are in your house. You're probably cooking. You're probably sitting on your couch. You're probably at work. You're probably driving. I want you to take three, three to 10 seconds and give God praise for him saving you the salvation on your life and say, God, thank you for keeping me when I couldn't keep myself. Thank you for protecting me when I couldn't protect myself. Thank you for being better than me, better to me than I've been to myself. The world might stress you out. The world might upset you. The world might hurt you, but it should not silence you because as long as Christ is in my life, mm -hmm. salvation is promised. As long as uh, as Christ has is keeping me, salvation is promised. Bill sky high, but I'm saved. Dysfunction in my family, but I'm saved. Crazy past, but I'm saved. Sick, but I'm saved. Frustrated, but I'm saved. Despite of it all, I give God praise because I'm saved. You ought to take three more seconds and give God praise because of your salvation, because he kept you, because he blessed you. Because he brought you out of a dark place, because he brought you through a storm, because he brought you through adversity, because he broke the shackles of your dysfunction. Give God praise because you're saved. That's why worship should never be silent. A reason to worship should never be hard to find when you're saved. Here it is. Grace found you. So you find the worship. Money comes and goes, people come and go, pleasure comes and goes, but grace stuck with you.
and you ought to give God praise and say, God, I thank you for sticking with me. Sickness and in health, death do you part, life everlasting. He stuck with you. They left, but God stuck with you. They talked about you, but God stuck with you. They trampled you under your under their feet, but God stuck with you. Your relationship is established. Its foundation is established on endurance. Then John asks, who are these people in white robes? The angel says, these are the people who have come through great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. But y'all, I'm a logical person. You, you would think that if they place their robes in blood, it will make them look bloody. There will be some blood stain on their robes. But the text is saying the blood didn't make you bloody. It made you pure. They weren't walking around displaying red. The robes were white. And then it hit me, the blood represented and worked as a detergent and not a design. The purpose of the blood was not for appearance, but deliverance. And we have to get out of the practice of just being comfortable, declaring that we are in the blood and not living a life showing what the blood did for us. We have to stop treating the blood as a brand and not our change. Because outside expression doesn't get you to God. It's the change on the inside that gets you to God. The blood that people see on you, it means nothing if it's not seen in you. The greatest sacrifice and demonstration of our relationship with God doesn't occur in the walls of the church. It happens in our homes when we are alone, when we look in the mirror, when we're going through trials during the sleepless nights in the midst of questionable circumstances and in our times of weakness and lust. It's during the time when there is no live audience that defines what's real. It's when you step away from social media, when the real ministry of me truly happens. And, and here is the, the revelation. Don't fall in the blood and come out just stained and not changed. I'm declaring from, from now on, the blood isn't a fashion statement. It, it's a life change. You ought to declare to yourself that the blood isn't a fashion statement. It, it, it changed my life. It's, it's not my brand. It's my life change. It doesn't build my brand. It changed my life. Don't fall in the blood and just come out stained and not changed. Coming out a bloody mess and not redeemed. Saying we love God on Facebook and IG, but it's verbally abusive to him when we log off talking to our past and our sins in the DMs. You don't get the blood for show. 
you get the blood to change. After John found out who the people were, the angel then told him, what were they doing? The angel said, therefore, they are before the throne of God and, and, and served him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The angel shows that the agenda in heaven is worshiping God all day and all night. And overcoming things that were a battle for them on earth. So in other words, this can't be established in heaven when it's not a practice here on earth right now. Meaning your relationship with God can't be a weekend thing with limits. It has to be an eternal thing. If Saturdays and Sundays is your limit, then eternity will be a turn off to you. The Bible says those who came out of tribulation that kept the faith and that kept the hope with tears in their eyes. The ones who were seen by John are the ones who demonstrated on earth what their activity will be in the kingdom. Everlasting is not for people who thinks one or two hours with God is too much. You can't worship eternally when an hour is your problem. But is there anybody who, who is listening right now, wherever you are, that's that's listening, that would declare that I want to be with God as much as he has been there for me. He was with me before I was born. He was with me when I fell short. He was with me when all hell broke loose in my life. He was with me when I didn't know who to turn to. And this isn't for people who frequently give God rain checks when it comes to worship. But this are for the people who keep on pushing and that can declare right in your face. Call me a fanatic. Call me crazy. Call me insane. But you weren't there when I got my mind back. You weren't there when I got my peace back. You weren't there when the suicide didn't happen. You weren't there when the overdose didn't kill me. You, you weren't there when the shackles finally came off. You weren't there when the fires were finally put out. You weren't there when my resurrection happened. You weren't there when I got my child back. You weren't there when my relationship came back to normal. You weren't there when I finally got my sobriety. You weren't there when I suffered from domestic and verbal abuse. I got time for him because he made time for me. My new mind in this season is that it will take an eternity to give God praise and I'm up for the challenge. The scriptures say now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and and forever you can't praise him now if you can't praise him now you can't handle forever it's the tactic of the enemy 
that makes you think you need a break from God. I want you to think about this. If God breathe the breath of life in you and you desire to want to take a break from him, that's the equivalent from taking a breath from breathing. But, but, but look at the grace of God that when you stepped away from God, you could have died. He could have stopped you from breathing. But grace keeps you when you don't want to be kept. And the moment you, you felt the pain and pressure of the shortness of breath. Here comes God resuscitating you again. Doing CPR on you again. I want to get to the point where I appreciate every breath I take. And implement my breathing into my living. In other words, you, you can't take a break from God. Yeah, you, you, you can take a break from God. If your relationship is seasonal and not eternal. The grace of God made me change my schedule from being all about me to being all about him. If you need a break from God, I, I don't know what what you're going to do about the kingdom. You will declare right now, God, I don't, I don't need a break from you because a break from you means death to me. But maybe, maybe it's people we need a break from. We need a break from the wrong people. Some of us are guilty of giving people in or the wrong people in our lives or giving people period in our lives. God's power, God's relevance and God's attention but they don't have God's heart. Deliver me from people who don't have your heart, God, who don't have your will for my life or the purpose that you placed on me. God, change my perspective in this season. Struggling to, to keep my focus. I'm struggling to keep my mind regulated. I'm struggling to keep my heart on you different distractions and different destructions and different issues have caused me to stray away from what the priority is getting to your kingdom God re re reposition my mind change my heart I'm praying right now that those who are on the fence on their faith that you understand the urgency of the time that we're living in, that tomorrow's not promised and you want to make your salvation sure. The Bible declares who is the source of our salvation and that is through Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Lamb of God, the Messiah, the one who sits on the throne as we read in Revelation. Don't leave this show just praising but not being saved 
Don't leave listening to this being unsure where you're going when you pass. But make your choice sure. Choose today whom you will serve. Remove the gray areas in your life. Remove the maybe. God is not looking for a maybe or the hot or cold. Same as what we will be if we were in a relationship. God is not going to be involved in a love triangle with our sin and him. And we're having a hard time making a decision. God said it's me or nothing. Declaring right now that we remove ourselves from love triangles, from darkness, from the demonic, from the people who are not connecting us to God. God, we thank you. We bless you. Bless us now. Cover us and strengthen us during these times. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen. God bless you all. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. I'm praying that you were encouraged and that you enjoyed your CPR experience. CPR stands for uh, Conflict Produces Resolution. This is Pastor Aaron Carr signing off. God bless you. Uh, may heaven smile upon you. It is my prayer.